EA's glory days. Are they forever gone? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 62. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, and today's winner, winner, chicken dinner is brought to you by Mr. Sir Herps. Uh, and, That's a good name. Uh, man, I really wish I would have pulled the screenshot into here, because the, the, his actual name on the game, like his username, was hilarious. It made me laugh a lot. Uh, anyway... We are trying to square a PlayStation podcast, like we said. If this is your first time joining us, we are a PlayStation podcast, and we come to you every Monday at 10 p.m. PST, 12 or 10 a.m. PST, 12 p.m. CST on YouTube and video format. If you watch us there and you like what we do, give us a subscription, hit the little bell button so you can keep up with us, uh, and then talk to us in the comments below. See what you, uh, you know. We want to see what you guys think about the things that we talk about. And you can also find us on podcast services if you listen to us there uh, and your service lets you give reviews. Consider giving us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Get our numbers up there so people can find us a little easier. Uh, and, of course, we like getting the feedback from there as well. If you do talk, to, if you do listen on those um, podcast services and you want to talk to us about things, you can always reach out to us to our Twitter, which is at Triangle SQRD. If you have questions you want to ask when we do our reader mail, then you can find us at Triangle SQRD, where we post a post every week for it. Uh, or you can email us at at, tri- or at, at Triangle Squared Podcast at gmail.com, spelled out exactly how it sounds. But without further ado, Saul. Yes, sir. What have you been playing this week, and how have you been? Been pretty good. You've been doing all right. I've been doing okay, but what I really need to know from you is how you liking that Detroit boy? It's pretty good. Um, that's one of the big games I've been playing this week is, of course, Detroit. Uh, I don't know if we'll do an impressions on that. I'm still not done with it yet just because me and my fiance are playing it together and it's very limited times uh, that we can play in comparison with other games for me. Uh, but it is super fun so far. I'm really, really enjoying it. And uh, we actually plan to play that here in a little bit later on today. Uh, maybe even finish it out, I think, uh, with all the time I have. Uh, for tonight, but we'll see. Um, but other than that, I've been playing Dark Souls Remastered. I figured how Fantastic far are you game. into that? Uh, the last thing I did I know was... You're, you're balancing that with your Dark Souls 3 that you're obviously playing for your Let's Play. Right, so, I mean... yeah. And I'm playing Dark Souls 3 just for fun, testing out new builds. Um, I just beat the game earlier on Dark Souls 3 with a Pyromancer today, actually. Um, but on Dark Souls Remastered, I have beat Ornstein and Smog. Okay. And, or so... Smaug. Yeah, I've heard so many people say his name. I'll just call him ONS. Um, but I beat ONS, and I went. Let's see. I'm trying to think. There was something else I did because it's been a couple of days since I played it. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I got to the uh, to the Gwen fight, and now I'm doing that. So maybe spoilers for people who are playing at Gwendolyn. I don't know if if you're really like trying to spoil yourself or whatever. That game's old. Uh, but maybe you're playing through it for the first time. I mean, it's not that old. What was it? 2011? 12? 11. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I love it. I, I watched a video just yesterday about people complaining about how how like there's still some problems in it and such. And I just I'm I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. Uh, in terms of that, like it's a it's literally just like they told us what it's gonna be. They didn't say they're gonna fix everything in the game, and it's fine on console for the most part. I know PCs having some of the problems, especially with hackers. Um. But I will say that um, Dark Souls One Remaster is a really good remaster. I, I, I you know, if you never have played I, it, I would pick it up. I think that for that purpose, then sure. I do have a little bit of concerns about the fact that it's forty bucks and it 
the only real bump that you get for it is literally. Just, I mean, they, they didn't re really redo textures or anything. They just bumped the texture. No, they did. They just bumped the. Not from what I no, saw. Yeah, I mean, like bonfires. If I'm really wrong. Like but I the mean, bonfires, fire is actually new now, which a lot of people didn't like. The uh, shinies that are on the ground and on corpses, that's new now. So there, there uh, are some new assets, yeah, it's not but like not completely. the entire. The game, though, I will say. So a lot the game, of them are probably up res textures, right. right? Yeah, the game is really like. It aged really, really well. Like, it looks pretty good. Those it's games bland. always looked fine. And, uh, they are a little bland, to yeah. be fair. But those games always look fine up until Bloodborne and three, except for character models. And even Bloodborne and three have, I, w- I will say, character too, models. But the most controversial thing I could probably say is that the um, Scholar of the First Sin remaster of Dark Souls two that's available on this current gen consoles. That's a fantastic game as well. Like I really suggest anybody who has never played these games to just go into them. One of these days, I'm going to buy that. It's but I don't so know. So good. Um, they they all have their flaws and their quirks. I will say that, and they're they all do. equal in the sense of that. They're the all one, great. Games. The one thing I'll say about Dark Souls Two that I think you said Scholar changed, um, right? Was the limited spawn whenever you were going through, and you couldn't actually you you could grind for a small bit of time, but if you if they found that you were grinding an area too long, they would stop spawning enemies. I don't know if that's changed because I don't I don't really play the games like that anymore. Sure, Scholar but two. my thing is, is when you're coming in and like say that you haven't played Dark Souls since Dark Souls 1, but you're not necessarily interested in the remaster because you, you've had your fun with that game. Right. But you've been like, oh, you know what? It was okay. I'd like to jump into two, but you're not familiar with the series as much. If you've not played... So the thing about the games is that they become easier the more you play them. In terms of oh, like, yeah. you understand the design aspect to them, so you understand things to look for. Like you got you, good. You know that there's going to be like, oh, there's probably going to be someone around this corner. Even if there's not, I've got to be ready. I've got to be prepared. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, but what I'll say is like the other thing that makes that a pain in the ass that I was talking to someone about yesterday. I can't remember if it was Dylan or maybe Pants, but uh, right. we were talking about in that game, the original release, what made that a pain. Um, and I did not beat two. I did play it on PS3. I've never played it on PS4. Oh, that's um, beautiful. Was that if you wanted to try and grind out an armor set in an area that had like a great spawn for you. Like, okay, Dark Souls 3's got an area of the Black Knight that you can get completely around him and attack him and almost kill him without him ever even seeing you. Right, yeah, fair So, those are the things. So, when you're running through that, 2 doesn't... 2 starts to axe that ability as you go through too often and you may not be able to get the full set of armor because it's all tied to RNG. Uh, So, that's a pain. And it doesn't mean that you can't get it. It just makes it significantly harder, which, I mean, depends on do you want the... I guess, do you want that to be an added challenge that you can't get the armor that early on? Or or do you want it to be like, well, you have to work and move between different areas to eventually get that whole set? Because even though I didn't have a lot of problems with Dark Souls 3 until the very end, uh, I did a lot. And I mean, I'm not even that bad, but that final boss is a little bit of a butt. Um, but that being said... Oh, no, I still have problems with uh, Lorien and Lothran. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are a pain in the butt, too. But... Um, now, it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I liked being able to grind out the Black Knight set because I liked the Black Knight set. Partially, he's from a... To me, why not let me spend more time in the game artificially lengthening it the way I want to? Not the, not the game artificially yeah, no, lengthening it, it, but me. If that is... Um, enemy placements have changed. So, like, there's a couple things that are different. I knew the I enemy placements had changed, but... Yeah, because the they, put, they put the Hyde's Knights uh, really all up in Hyde's... Uh, that hide area. I can't think of the name right now. Um, they put them in there, which was interesting. Um, 
But yeah, I can see that for like weapon set or armor sets and such. But at the same time, now grinding for experience. No, I don't really no, yeah. care about that. At I'm the just same talking time, about when you when you. I, there so are I ways. guess that is a thing because I know a lot of people who Bloodborne was their first Soulsborne type game in general. Uh, and when you come into it and you don't know what you're doing, those early game stages grinding so that you get more resources and understanding the game by grinding it is really useful. I will say though that. Um, I won't agree with that type of playing if you've never played the games. And I'll tell you why, because that's exactly what I did. Um, is that you're, that's not going to make you a better player. It's just going to make you powerful to what you're doing, and that's not going to make you better because the mechanics in Souls games are, are somewhat deep enough that you could be super overpowered if you don't learn how to read telegraphs for the enemies oh, and such, yes, you're not yeah. going to get far. But um, I, I think it does both. I think it helps you get a little bit of a stats advantage, which will still, like you said, is not the end-all be-all. You can still get wrecked regardless oh, of where your stats are. No, I'm telling you. Uh, but you the make other thing one, is, one when you're running movement. through the areas over and over again, I do think it helps you start to pick up on some of the mechanics. And like, I think some of it's knowing how the game's going to be designed. Like, okay, I got to start. I got to pay attention to that there's enemies hiding here. That's something I've always got to be. It, I think it teaches you to be on your toes. Definitely yeah, when you do oh, it yeah. early areas. It, it makes you, it's not a game, I mean, it is once you get good at it, but it's not a game that uh, for a first or second time that you can kind of go through and be distracted at at the same time. Like, you can't be distracted too much while you're playing these games. I just, yes, just yesterday, before we all came over, I was playing some Dark Souls 3, and I set my controller down, and I'm sitting there, and I'm on my phone for a second, and I'm just right next to a bonfire. I'm not sitting in it, I'm just right next to it. And then my, my controller rumbles off my desk, and I'm like, what is hitting me? I got invaded, and I just wasn't paying attention. And that was one of the biggest things. Like, I got, you know, backstabbed instantly by a Fug's greatsword because, you know, Fug's greatsword's not even good anymore. But I wasn't doing nothing. Like, you can't just not – when you're playing the games, they, they deserve your attention just because of the games, how, how great they are. Um, and just because the, it will – I mean, they are designed in a way that you have to give it your attention anyway or it can come back to bite you. Oh, wait. No, there is something you can do in Dark Souls 2, though. You can use a bonfire aesthetic, which it's actually really cool. Well, using a bonfire aesthetic, um, it makes the game go into New Game Plus for that area. And it brings that, all the enemies back. That's cool. It is. That's um, interesting. So, but, yeah – well, so all this has become a Dark Souls Dark podcast, Soul, yeah. but what else uh, have you been doing? No, that's it. Dark Souls 2, or Remastered, 3, and Detroit, and that's really it. Nothing on my Switch. Like, I played Stardew Valley here and there for a couple hours, but nothing really too much. But Speaking what of Stardew, you? it's sad that Stardew's still it's broken, broken on, on Vita. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if Chucklefish will ever fix it. I think they will. I'm not really I worried, so. but it is sad that they didn't get that kind of figured out before they launched, or maybe they think they did and it just didn't hold. Uh, but I don't know. I played a little bit this week. Let's see. I'm, I've been running through Detroit over and over as I'm as I'm doing different things uh, to try and get my platinum. I'm pretty close. I think right now I'm at like 76 or 80 percent of the trophies, and most of the trophies I have left are just other decisions that I hadn't quite made that are just chapter based and not full playthrough based. Besides one trophy, which is read every magazine in the game, and I have to go through and look at certain things that I've done, and it may require me to go back to one chapter to make sure I make a decision that makes it applicable in the other chapter so yeah it's, I'll, I'll have to see but the the flow chart shows you all that you can see if you've received them so if you pull up a guide online that shows where they are you can go to that chapter and be like oh does it show that i've gotten them even in a different playthrough because it doesn't have to be in one playthrough it just has to be, be at, at to all. all yeah yeah because your flow chart updates and then it shows highlighted the ones that you did in your most recent playthrough but it'll show the other ones visible for the playthroughs that you've already done so i may have asked this question before but uh, i can't remember you can go back and visit the flowchart and change it as many times as you want, right? Yes, but it'll uh, it, whenever you go back to a to a point, uh, 
Right. Uh, which is like, you know, a checkpoint for them. It's always, but it's like a, a decision point that was big enough to, for it to be considered like a big checkpoint. Mm-hmm. When you go back, the game will ask you if you want to make that your new save. And if you don't, then it doesn't affect your flow chart. Now, I don't know if that means that you don't get trophies because you don't normally get the trophy. Uh, or actually, you don't get the trophy until you go back and in the chapter and then the flow chart updates. So I, I think that if you choose to do it without updating your flow chart, you won't get trophies. Uh, but if you choose to make it your new save, then it'll be your new save moving forward. And you right. can have access to the other chapters, but it changes It changes your that well. Okay. So you can't just like go back and experience a chapter at a time and not change the rest of the game at the same time. To an extent, yes. Okay. You'll change everything after the chapter that you're going back right. to yeah. will be your thing. So, um, I'm trying to lump together my magazine playthrough along with my other decisions playthrough to make it this my final playthrough. But we'll see if that actually works or not. Um, Makes sense. Okay. So, anyway, uh, that's pretty much... I'm trying to really think if I've played anything else. I feel like that there's... Oh, I played Elder Scrolls Online. I uh, got my character up to level 11. Is this still so. pretty good? Yeah. I mean, I'm still... You know, I've not gotten into the Morrowind part yet, even though I have the ability to. I'm just trying to get my bearings of the game. It's okay. I mean, you know, it's still not a proper Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. So that's its own side thing. Uh, but it's it's good enough. And I feel like, you know, even though my worry is that maybe we won't be seeing Elder Scrolls as soon as I'd hope because of the fact that Elder Scrolls Online exists and they do feel like, well, if we want to do something else. Cause, I mean, I will say this. I want Bethesda to have the creative freedom to do what they want. But I hope it's not literally just bouncing between Fallout and and Elder Scrolls. And if it's going to be that, then I want it to be one game, another game. If it's going to be by them specifically, now New Vegas was different because it was by a, a you know a, a third party studio, so it didn't really matter. It was a partnership that they did. But right. I don't want Bethesda to, to do two Bethesda, two Fallout games in a row themselves and leave Elder Scrolls hanging. I just find that weird. It's now this a, new one is we'll get in that in the news, but so it's not quite that. It, well, um, and we, we nobody knows what it is yet. Even well, well, Jason even then, has we, sources. We do know who's developing it though, and it's technically not entirely Bethesda proper. Yeah. Uh, or Bethesda Game Studios proper. So we'll we'll talk about that when we get into the news. But those are kind of where I stand. I don't think I played anything else. I didn't go back to Deadpool yet. I do intend to. Um oh, I played a little bit of Inside and Limbo lately. I don't know if that was the beginning of this week or not. I do have some plans to play some other stuff coming up. A lot of it's just that I've not... It was Kyrie's birthday week, so I was building stuff, and I didn't play a lot outside of that. So I plan to play a lot more. I've got a backlog that needs to be kind of hit before Vampire comes out, but, I mean, it's not going to matter. Vampire comes out Tuesday or Friday. Friday uh, we'll find Friday, out. I'm pretty so, sure, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Saw, if you want to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> drop into the hop... Then we'll hop into the drop. For those that don't know, the drop is this weekly's PlayStation releases across all PlayStation platforms. If I do not specify the um, release date, it's Tuesday. But other than that, we will specify. And uh, the same goes with digital physical. Uh, Anything is digital unless set otherwise. Um, So first game up on the list, we have Awkward out for PS4 on 6-7. We have Blaze Blue, Blaz Blue whatever you want to call it. Cross-tag battle for PS4. That's available both digitally and physically. Speaking of Elder Scrolls. Speaking of Elder Scrolls, we have the Elder Scrolls Online summer set for PS4, available digitally and physically. We have Homestar VR for PSVR out 6-6. We have the Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker for PS4. We have MotoGP 18 for PS4 out 6-7. We have Onrush for PS4, available digitally and in your retail stores. Perils of Baking for PS4. Riddled Corpses EX for PS4 and PS Vita. Boy. 
Roller Coaster Legends 2, Thor's Hammer okay. for PS4. Oddest name I think I'll ever Is it a Sim say. game, I assume? Or? I have no idea. Okay, I'm not, nope, not even going to mess with it. Shape of the World for PS4, Shaq Fu for PS4, available digitally and physically, and Vampire for PS4 out on Tuesday. And hey. it's available digitally and in your retail stores near you. Quick note, obviously, I, I like doing the what are you most excited for. Uh, I was extremely excited for Onrush. Now I'm excited that the game's coming out for the publishers. And I do, I may, I'm probably going to pick it up to support them and I'll play it a little bit. But it's not going to be the game, I'm fairly positive, it's not going to end up being the game that I just absolutely love. Right. But I still appreciate them for putting it out. But Vampire Dude, I'm quite stoked for. But did you see, and we talked about it in the Discord chat, and I'm just disappointed because, it, I say disappointed, it's not Xbox official doing this. Um, but somebody made a Vampire Xbox One S and it was completely custom and it was like the whole bottom of a wooden box was the Xbox One S with the wood tray and everything and had the cool feet yeah. and it came up to an actual latchable box that had a that when you opened it up there was like holy water and yep. a wooden stake it was really really and cool actually a spot for the custom controller to sit into and that is so beautiful uh, I can't remember the name of the account of the guy who made it but it was like a guy who does custom consoles and I want to go and follow him and I should have done it when I clicked on it that day uh, but it looked cool so if you're interested in seeing that or if you have any interest or you just want to see a really cool custom console. Uh, I think it was on Focus Home Interactive's uh, Twitter page, their official Twitter, so you can go see it there. Uh, but, Saul, so I'm going to go ahead and hop over to the news then. Yeah, go ahead. Interestingly, uh, this will be something that maybe, maybe World End will have some, you know, a little bit of thoughts or opinions or excitement out of. But Capcom have again extended the trademark for Deep Down, a game originally shown off at the PS4's unveil event back in February of 2013. Uh, and it's not been seen since early 2015. So this should mean that development's still active uh, in some form or fashion. And it does mean that they at least still intend to sell the game. Uh, so... When that's going to happen is up in the air, but I learned a lot when I was looking at this news about trademark law and how you can do it. You get five extensions, which give you six months every extension. Um, yeah. So this is the second time they've extended since they renewed. They had to completely do a full renew of the trademark uh, in 2017, and this is the second time they've pushed it now. So they have about two years to release it before they either have to renew again or just drop it. Uh, I do think it's odd that they're do still doing it, man. It's one of those games where you, you imagine it. I, I'm going to basically liken it to Neo, which was a game that was shown off in uh, 2004 before the PS3 was even really fully going and it was supposed to be coming, but it got delayed and all that. Uh, so it was shown at kind of an event that was revealing the console and then we didn't even see it until an entire generation later i don't necessarily know it's going to be that for this but it's definitely going to be a game that that goes around forever so eh. uh do you remember seeing much about deep down and do you have any real thoughts about it all no i uh i do remember seeing it and uh i'm I mean, I'm excited for La it, and I'm curious. The last so. that we heard about it was it was going to change and be a lot bigger in scope than they originally had planned, which I guess makes sense of why we maybe have not seen it, but not seeing it at all since even 2015 is, you know, it's three years of nothing. Right. After, so, uh, after showing it off in t February of 2013. They're, they're probably doing that for the name, if anything else, I would think, because I can imagine if that was to expire. Which is also weird, because it. originally it was considered a working title. Yeah, so this this I would say that spending this much money this many times to to keep renewing it is pretty much nailed the title to to pretty much that. Um, I could or see, to something. 
Yeah. So. To, to hopefully, because you know, I have heard of stories of people who try to grab the titles and trademark them right after, um, so then they could make an indie game with the same name and hope just to kind of sell it based off the name. So I don't know if that's <laughs> or I guess ever been sell successful. The trademark or, back to, yeah, the, to the company if nothing else makes some money that way. That could work too, um, but. Yeah, so I, I'm curious, uh, but that's really that'd be an interesting way to become a. Not you wouldn't be a millionaire, to be fair, but that'd be an interesting way to make some money. Just be somebody who hovers around long-lasting uh, trademarks, just to wait and see when they're going to expire, just to come in and, and file for them. There's there has to be at least one person on the world who lives for the like who does that for a living, like who 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 trademarks things and then waits for somebody to use it and then sues imagine, them in copyright. I would imagine court. there are people that definitely for websites. I'm pretty sure there are people that just get domain names and be like, this company's coming up or this company potentially is coming up. I'm gonna grab some domain, no, the, domain names. There's a guy who has uh, the domain for like it's Apple and then just words after it in hopes of like one day they'll make like an I don't know like an Apple uh, bottle or something. And so he'll, then he can, he can, he, and that's all trade. He has it all trademarked too, for what I know. Um, it must not be that if much. Not that, or it's all the domains he's sitting on. That must be what it is. Cause the trademark is not what anything I, as much as the domain. I know you can't exactly trademark anything either. So I don't think like something like Apple bottle would work, but who knows? Yeah. I think, well, yeah, I'm not really sure either. Cause I think, uh, trademarks are odd. I, Cause there's a difference between, you know, when you're doing a trademark or a registered trademark and I don't know, all these different things. Uh, I'm not in that side of the government. So, anyway, speaking of Neo, just a second ago, Neo recently broke two million copies sold worldwide, being a huge success for its niche. But no, yeah, I literally, just, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt. I literally just googled Apple bottle, and it popped up with a link to buy it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. For sale by its owner, they're yep. just they're waiting for that day they could sit on that Apple money. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Neo broke two million copies, and it was really good. I mean, I was a little surprised when this first came out. I was surprised that Near Automata hit two mil before neo because word of mouth around both of them are really high but neo was coming from i don't want to say a higher developer standard to be fair neo coming i mean near coming from platinum when platinum had been on a down streak i still think that platinum's name had a lot of pull on top of the fact that there's a very loyal fan base for yoko taro that's not that huge but there is one there so i thought that was interesting but it obviously it's going to be a series we see continue just like I we've been so. talking about with uh I think they've already confirmed it will continue. So it was really good. We'll see, but just like near, you'd imagine. But two million, dude, in, in JRPG sales is actually a lot. Oh no, it so. really is, and like, it deserved it. I really like that game. I still have it downloaded on my PS4. I still have it. Just I need to beat sitting it. over there. No, I don't. Did I trade it in? I hope not. No, I didn't. Okay. All right. Anyway, former Naughty Dog game designer Quentin Cobb, who left last year to go to Daybreak Studios, which is the development team behind H1Z1 and also uh, DC Universe Online, has announced that he is returning to Sony as a senior, a senior game designer, but mentions no studio or game, uh, mentioning that, that it would you know, alluding to the fact that it's secret, uh, eagle-eyed people looking at his pages have speculated that he has joined into the new San Diego studio that was recently announced to be formed to work on big Sony IP, which was rumored to potentially include Uncharted. Now, I will say this. I do think Uncharted needs a little bit more of a break. Yeah. Even And don't get me wrong. Lost Legacy was good to me. It was actually, in some ways, better than 4. Um uh, but it was good, and I didn't have a problem with it. Seeing Chloe again was cool, but because that was DLC that kind of got turned bigger, that's one thing. It was still expected to be some new form of Uncharted series, like you right. know, or content. So now that that's kind of gone, I would still really hope that we see at least another two to three years, if not 
I would say if two we, to three. If we don't see it until somewhere in the first couple of years of PS5, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to see it again on that. PS4, but I don't think we will at all, no matter how it works. I don't think that there's that many, like, if this team got together to make a new Uncharted and that was for sure what it is and they're doing it, it's still probably going to be a, a PS5 launch game at, at earliest. You know what I mean? Which I doubt they would do at launch because it's a big name. And I had that talk, conversation with someone the other day. You don't want to do really heavy hitters at launch. Um, because you're not going to have the you're not going to have the number of units out there to support the sales that you would expect from a series of that name. Yeah. So it's kind of a balance. Whereas something like Killzone that never sold that crazily anyway, when it comes out and sells two million at launch, you know that's good. That's so. yeah, that's true. But anyway, uh, that is still with a grain of salt. So. Um, doesn't mean anything. We'll wait and see what he's working on, but it's cool to see. Uh, next up, Borderlands Game of the Year was rated for PS4, Xbox, and PC. Uh, 2K Games have not officially confirmed its existence, but I would imagine it's something we see at E3. It seems unlikely that it would hit through all that. Uh, it was, like, I think a Chinese or something uh, rating board, so which we tend to get a decent bit of information from. I would find it weird. One of the comments that I thought would be kind of cool, but I don't necessarily expect, would be that if you pre-ordered, kind of like they did with um, South Park with uh, Ubisoft, but if you pre-order the game, that if you pre-order Borderlands 3, that they, which they said it's not going to be there, but let's just say that it is, you get uh, that. they show off Borderlands 3 and they say, hey, if you pre-order it, you get a digital copy of Borderlands Game of the Year Edition right now. That could make sense. Um, that would be cool. And then they still yeah, have that it be pretty cool. as, a, as a separate purchase for those who want to do it. Um, that would be cool. I don't know. I did, you know, I really liked the first Borderlands game, and I like Borderlands 2, but I ended up playing Borderlands more, 1 more than 2, and I, I don't know why. I played 2 more. I played them very very closely to each other, so I don't know if I was burnt out on Borderlands as a whole by the time that I was playing 2, but they're both good games, and there's a lot to like about them. Yeah. So. Um, but, you know, that's one of those things. Uh, Bandai Namco have confirmed... That a new trailer and release date will be shown for Code Vein on June 4th, which is the day that this episode goes live. So if that's something that interests you, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I find it a little weird that they're not waiting for an E3 conference to do it, but it seems like everybody's blowing their load before E3, so whatever. We let it go. Uh, the recent Monster Hunter World update added Lunastra, who is the mate of Teostra, who's already in the game, uh, to the game, as well as new armor and weapons based around her. The update also adds the arc-tempered Elder Dragons, that's even a step above, uh, though they will actually be released at later dates as events. So it's something that's going to be really hard. They're technically in the game, but they're going to pull them through an event schedule. Cool. Uh, and the first one to be expected is uh, Arc Tempered Kieran. Oh, God. So Capcom, Capcom's done a really good game of keeping the game updated. A really good job of keeping, keeping that game, game yeah, updated. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Uh, next up, 24-hour Bethesda stream on Twitch that looked to be teasing something Fallout-related was going on this week, and it was finally revealed to be Fallout 76, which begs the question of what happened to the other 72. Oh, get out of here. I am so sick of that what, joke. What's funny is that it was the, th- the joke that went through my head as soon as they showed it, and then like I was on the Twitch channel, so I saw... Just a thousand of those pop up in some form or fashion. I was like, well, that died quickly, but oh, it died very here we are. Quickly. Uh, anyway, a short trailer was shown at the end of the 24 hours, uh, and for all intents, it was just a teaser. Uh, so we don't know a whole lot, but we are expected to see more of the game at E3. According to three unnamed people, and this is in regards to the Jason Schreier Kotaku argue, I mean, article that uh, Saul was talking about, three unnamed people familiar with the project have claimed that is a it has a strong online component. It will bring back the building aspect of Fallout 4, and that's kind of as much as they let on. It 
from what people know about Fallout lore, Fallout uh, the, the seventy six, Fallout I mean, Vault seventy six is set to open twenty years after the events of the uh, nuclear war, war when everything settled, instead of the two hundred or plus that every other game has done so far. So you know, it would make sense that you have an online, and I was guessing online well before this. I was like online or MMO of some sort, yeah, where the idea is to come into a completely torn down world and like your actions are building the world that the future fallouts are going to be seeing. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think like there's cool, there's cool stuff there. Now there's obvious questions that come into that because if this is meant to be a fallout experience and still be changing the formula a lot, there's still going to be things that people expect like the VAT system. Yeah. People would expect that to be in there, but if it's an online, it's online game, it's going to be how hard. does VATs work? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of questions to that because, yeah, it could just pause the game for you, but that doesn't stop it. It doesn't pause the game for other people yeah. unless it does something that when you're using bats and you're keyed in on one enemy, that that enemy disappears from the other person's screen. But then that's going to be jarring and weird. And it's, it's going to be, be one of those yeah. things. We'll have to see for sure. It'll be hard to pull off, but they may have found clever workarounds. It may not be an MMO. It may be a game that's uh, – more i don't want to say minecraft style but the idea of like you have a thing and you and a couple friends can come in as one particular thing and it's all online and you have your own server which would be cool i think it's an idea that would be cool everybody just has their own fallout world that they come into uh and then you can pay just like on minecraft to open a server that everybody can get into on their own time i, I don't think it's going to be like that because when they're saying that it's a strong online component that makes me think of either an mmo or something so close to an MMO but just doesn't want to call itself one like Destiny or Warframe. Yeah. Um, and if so, that's cool. I think that putting that Destiny or Warframe uh, template into a Fallout world could be really cool. And I do like third-person shooters, which is why I was pretty big on um, Warframe. So that's cool. So take everything that was said about the whole online component with a grain of salt, but I would imagine that he's probably right. I mean, I just I have a hard time imagining that he wouldn't be right. That is awesome. I don't know. Yeah, that's just a, really cool. It's an image in our Discord, which you guys should all be in if you enjoy it our is, content. It it's will be fun. in the uh, it will be in the description of this video if you want to join our Discord. Uh, next up, though, a new kart racing game. To nobody's surprise, everybody was guessing it, but Team Sonic Racing was revealed by Sega this week. They stressed that the game is not a sequel to 2012 Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed, which was made by Sumo uh, Sumo Digital. So I assume this one's not, um, and will be quite different mechanically. They stress that uh, the game wasn't given a release date but was confirmed to be priced at $39.99 good price point um, definitely in the wake of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe being $60 yeah no world that should have happened but gonna get over that uh, and it is like I said it's expected this year and funnily enough we were talking about all the leaks and everything getting blown well this one kind of their hand was forced because this is another Walmart leak yeah uh, so I don't know what's gonna happen there I still my opinion on that is to stay quiet until E3 and then just do it there yeah, because, but I mean... You're taking all the fun out of E3. Definitely now that some of the stuff's already happened, I'm sure Sonic and Sega were like, well, everybody's going to know it's true because all of these other Walmart leaks turned out to be true. You know, so I guess it was... You try and damage control as much as possible, but I guess you can't always. Uh, next up, I just put this in there because I thought it was interesting. Uh, Ubisoft originally claimed, and I guess they still are accurate, that Far Cry 3 Classic Edition would be a port and not a remaster for the next-gen consoles. It has been confirmed that the game at least benefits from a resolution bump on Pro and the One X. The, ge the game renders at a native 1440p on both systems with still a 30 frames per second cap. Um, I find that really interesting. Yeah. We, we, it, we did get confirmation that it was the PC port that was coming over, so I don't know if it was the PC port scalability is letting this go down without them really having to work on anything too terribly much. Uh, but cool to see. 
and one of our boys, Mr. Blake, has already got the platinum for the game. Uh, so good for him. Yeah, I'm excited to wow. tell him to play it, man. I'm telling you, I, I'm. Far Cry Five was fine. I actually I liked it. It was a good game. Uh, it just wasn't exactly what I would have wanted. And being able to go back to some of the more classic Fallout tropes that were kind of going, or Fallout Far Cry tropes will be really fun. So uh, next up, something else I loosely talked to Saul about before we started recording was in an interview with Eurogamer, senior game designer at Machine Games hinted that the studio are working on Wolfenstein 3, which is just a little surprising because the game was not necessarily a runaway success sales-wise. It didn't break $2 million, and I'm sure it was quite a big-budget game. Uh, and really the reason it surprises me is that you eventually think that Bethesda has to pull the plug on some of these games and or studios that continue to make games that just don't meet the sales mark yeah but we keep seeing it go down which um, is interesting so i don't know because i think I that they pretty much confirmed that we're not going to see anything else in the dishonored universe well and i uh but we, we talked know. about it right before I, I played the first one and platinum did it was fun i enjoyed it i just don't have any interest in the second one for some reason did you play the second one at all or is it just literally what you were shown was like i don't care i, I kind of like what it was shown was like I kind of just did all that. It feels like so. I was like, I really it got looked the same. So I was just kind of like, man. There were complaints about the shooting mechanics in the game, and that the guns were all so enlarged and in your field of view that it actually kind of blocked you from seeing. I could actually see that now. That 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 was not pointed out to me like by myself, but that's actually something I can actually see. Now, I don't know. It was interesting. I saw that, and see, people were saying that they hope they revamp the uh, shooting mechanics to be closer to Wolfenstein One. Um. Last thing we have on here is that after the success it had last year, PlayStation have announced that they are bringing back the Days of Play event this year. Alongside it, there is a limited edition PS4 Slim with royal blue coloring and a gold design on top of an artistic take on the classic face buttons design and a matching colored controller with the gold textured onto the pattern of the touchpad, which is cool. So it's like right here on the touchpad, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. But um, on the touchpad, there's actually like an embossed or indented or whatever you want to say, a, a textured uh, face button pattern that will all all the raised buttons will be gold. And I think that's really, that's cool, really cool because there's no sticker designs or anything else on the rest of the controller. So it, it's kind of striking because it's simple, but with just enough of a touch, it's like, oh, this is cool. And you can buy the controller separate. It will be included in the $40 DualShock 4 thing that happens throughout the entirety of this. So any DualShock 4 will be $40. That so is really cool. If you've been waiting to get one of those uh, clear ones or if you wanted to get something like this or just wanted to buy a new DualShock, that's a good time to come in. Uh, but on top of that, uh, that system will cost two ninety nine ninety nine, which is not a price reduction, but I guess it's it, it's for something cool. Uh, while the PS4 Pro's base black model will drop to three forty nine, which in my opinion, if you don't have a PlayStation or if you're upgrading from an original model, don't go slim. Go ahead and spend fifty more dollars for a Pro. Personal opinion. Yeah. Um, and with all of the DualShock 4s dropping to thirty nine ninety nine, like I mentioned, and a number of exclusives dropping price considerably, the promotion runs from June 8th through the 18th. So keep an eye on that if it's something that you have been waiting for a couple of games. God of War, I think, drops to 50 Horizon drops down to 20 uh, If you have a VR and you've been waiting for the Inpatient, uh, I meant to get it early on and didn't, uh, but the Inpatient will be $15, so I'm going to grab that for absolute certain. Uh, I think Shadow of the Colossus is going to be 20 bucks. So there's a lot of cool games coming. Um, but that yeah, about taps it for the news. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to get a new controller. I've been waiting because I don't like to play on my uh, 20th anniversary edition uh, controller that came with my 20th anniversary console. So it's different than the ones you could buy in the store. So I, I really don't want to tear it up. I just kind of keep it there for looks. Uh, but that means I only have two controllers right now outside of this one, which I pull into rotation occasionally. I may not buy one because, you know, I'm trying to be a little more uh, frugal 
with not buying things I just really don't need this year. But I you tried know, that; it does not work. Best for me. laid plans don't always work. So, uh, Saul, yes, sir. I think it is time to move into the reader mail. Sure thing. What say you? For I agree. For those that don't know, reader mail is a weekly segment we do where you guys can ask us questions at the Twitter we mentioned earlier on the show, Triangle SQRD. And uh, we take three questions, we answer those on this episode, and then we take the rest and we throw them away uh, for a episode to be the first Friday of every month. There's probably a better way to word that. but no, I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so actually the reader mail for the most recent um, month May. month is already live. It went up Friday, so if you've not checked that out yet, you can go check do it out. that. And I, I always will say this, is that we're going we're gonna to kind of make the tweets a little bit more throughout the week. Never, ever, ever, ever think that you shouldn't ask us a question if you already have. You could ask, you could literally ask us two or three questions in a tweet, and we could pick one and answer it. I love having lots of questions to ask, and it makes reader mail episodes that much more fun. Um, this week, we did get a couple. Uh, one specifically, though, Ryan, I'm not going to ignore it. It's a really good question, but that's going in the reader mail episode. I like that question a lot, and that is going to be something I actually have a, uh, a kind of a... a um, a, a really good but yet lengthy answer to that will fit reader mail bonus better. Okay. Um, but Josh Ayers wants to know, Ayers, E3 is just over a week away. Any last-minute predictions on any of the conferences? Will Xbox be shit on again And uh, for a year? Will they finally figure it out? And will Nintendo keep up their stellar Switch games or keep the 3DS breathing when it should die? So hmm. if you guys haven't uh, checked it out already, there is an E3 predictions, hopes, and dreams episode we just did a couple weeks back. Uh, that was live streamed on Twitch. Fair warning there, um, but it, not really. Like I, I'm anticipating seeing more about Fallout 76. Um, I am really now it. that that's happened. I am a little surprised because, and I don't know what it was. If it was because Fallout wasn't part of that leak or what, but the fact that they went so heavy on Rage, I was like, man, are they really going to put all their eggs in Rage too? That just seems like a really odd basket to put your eggs into. Yeah, right? and I'm wondering if they just put too many eggs into Rage too and not enough into Fallout 76. I don't know because I think we're going to see. I think they just like keeping the fallout more of a surprise factor. You know what I mean? To where it's like you don't yeah, see but as much. Yeah, they didn't leave it on. to be a surprise. They kind of ruined it. Well, but they did the same thing with Fallout Four originally. They did just no, a I small know. teaser. Now, but th- that was also I feel like because that year there was a leak from Kotaku beforehand, so I think that was damage control again. This year it was entirely on their own, and it was very odd the way they chose to do it. Though clever, Twitter's building broken. up Twitch for like you know twenty four hours just to do that. It was almost like a bait and switch. Like, oh man, you think it's going to be something crazy. And people were all hyped for it. And then it was just a really small clip of something. I mean, yes, it got the hype up enough because it's, you know, Fallout 76. I mean, it's like it's something new uh, instead of the obvious thing that people were going towards and probably would have been a little disappointed on was Fallout Remastered, like a Fallout 3 or New Vegas remastered. I would have loved a New Vegas remastered. Just well, sure, but I mean, waiting 24 to hours to see a Twitch stream that's just going to reveal oh, that. Oh, for that, though, yeah. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. There's, there's levels. So, I mean, the 24 hours was smart because it built up the hype so much that the trailer just kind of made you even more hungry. Like, well, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, yeah. I want to see more. It makes um, me, and that one that's on 5 p.m. next Sunday too, which is the very first thing we'll be streaming. Yep, very uh, first which thing. is interesting. And I keep forgetting that I only have a four day work week this week, and then I go on vacation. So super excited for that. Look at you, Saul. Liam wanted to know about waifus for video games, but of course that is in the reader mail episode. We told him that if you want more, I want to say one thing. We we didn't go completely into the rest of Josh's. Oh, well, that, yeah, I guess that was mine. But if you want more waifu talk, go to the reader mail. Yeah. Well, the thing I just want to cover the rest of it. You know, he's talking about, will Xbox kind of, basically saying, will Xbox be a disappointment again? 
I'm I, hoping I, I've not. talked at length about this in the other episodes, but I do just want to say one more time in case, you know, you're somebody who's, who's missed an episode or two here or there. I really, really think that Xbox knows what they have to have. Now, of course, you can't force something that's not ready. Uh, but I hope that this is like the kind of coming together and the, and the crescending point, you know, for, hey, here we are. We're at a point where we really need to show people that we are on top of things and we have enough ready that we can show it and it be out in a reasonable enough time because you don't want to get caught in that in that uh, crackdown three thing again. Yeah, that, that's for sure. That, and, um, and, you know, I think that they could take lessons from sony as well um in terms of releasing game footage releasing any kind of info about a game that's just either barely into development or that you know is three years away don't we we gotta stop that in video game culture like final fantasy 7 is by by far the perfect example of do not and that's one thing that's one and that's not first party but they let it go so they can't control that it was at their conference Uh, but it was yeah of course but i'm sure they thought it was going to go smoother than it has Uh, yeah Uh, now that being said let's talk about more of the things that they did show year after year after year like detroit being one of them don't wrong detroit's great uh we saw spider-man a lot we saw god of war a decent bit we saw days gone too early at this point way too much uh but this is what i will say First party is a little different than third party because one of the things that you have to get out there is you have to show things that are going to keep uh, that are going to get your user base and your potential user base hyped and interested so that you can show shareholders look at this hey this is what we're going to have uh, but the other thing is that you are trying to sell consoles and if you're trying to sell consoles sooner rather than later you've got to give people that plane is like really low <laughs> altitude I wonder if you can hear it uh, anyway uh, yeah but the you know the thing about that is, is that there are consoles in the mix here whereas a publisher it's not the games are the beginning and end of it right Correct, you're not yeah. getting more of that they're also not only trying to sell you this game they're also trying to tell you why you should buy their console well, no. so they have to show things sooner no I get that than, than the competition because like people expecting Sony to come out and go yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying you are, but like, and I'm not saying anybody in particular is, but I know that there are people that think this way. People that think that Sony or Microsoft should come out on stage, show a huge game equivalent to Fallout 4. So let's just say they Sony came out before God of War ever happened, and they just they came out, showed off God of War, and said it'll be out in five months. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Fallout 4 works really well, though. For oh, that. of course. But Bethesda is a publisher only. That's All true. they have to worry about is get it. And that's a great window for them. Um, Sony has to pull. There's, there's more give and take. Now, I do think that we can get to a point where maybe, just maybe, Sony can shorten their length when they show stuff to a year and a half to a year. Yeah, and if yeah. they can do that, it's better. I would honestly say, like, what they've done with Death Stranding so far is not too much unless it's not coming out within the next year. If it's, if it's, I disagree. I disagree because of the fact that they chose to do it. They've, they've, they've shown weight and I get some of it's unavoidable because of who Kojima is and his history. But media has been all over this. You've known every single step of the way, what he's doing now, not necessarily what the game is, that's, but that, he that's is what I mean. constantly in the limelight. No, I know. But and there's cause a it's Kojima. Yeah. And that's a problem. Cause we knew as soon as he left Konami, we knew as soon as he was joining, they made a big deal out of it. Made, right. made a video of it. As soon as he joined Sony, which was smart. I'm not saying but we're that talking about game release trailers. For sure. Things, sure. But then they showed it, decisions. but then they, keep, they, but they've showed it and they've shown it. They've and only shown it three times. And if they show it again this year, and if it's another, that's again, that's, well, and I, it's, I and they, what you're saying, and they showed it the least amount of clarified. any other game. Because the second time we saw now, Days Gone was thirty a thirty you, minute gameplay. You mean thing. footage? I'm talking about anything. 
Now, what are you talking about Days Gone's 30 minutes? Last year, we saw Days Gone for the second time, and it was 30 minutes. And when we saw the first time. No, that wasn't 30 minutes, man. Okay, 15 minutes. You're you're shooting upward. Okay, well, then I'll go back to the 30 minutes they first showed it at the E3 before that. And that wasn't 30 minutes. That That was a a short trailer and and the ending. I'm talking about the person playing it at the end. I know that. That wasn't 30 minutes. That was 30 minutes at the end. That video's on YouTube right now. There's no way that's 30 minutes. Go look. If that was 30 minutes, then I'll give them this. That did not feel like 30 minutes. I think we've seen probably 30 to 45 minutes from official Sony press conferences of gameplay of that. So I will show you that video right now. Cause this was the actual thing. That yeah. They 11 showed. minutes, which is about what I said. 12 to 15 minutes is exactly what I was expecting. And we've probably YouTube. seen the cumulative, but we've not 30 seen to 45 minutes of but, game, but we from saw official the, Sony, the two minute trailer uh, ahead of time for, and uh, I, yeah. And they were two different things. Well, which was 17 still weird. minutes for, um, last year but no uh we saw no. we saw the beach scene for death stranding and then we saw what was it at the game awards we saw the actual what people are saying could be gameplay sure but then before that what was it i don't think that was gameplay to be fair but if it is it looks really good here, well here's what the no i'm not like graphically i'm sure the game will look that way i mean it's the decimal engine we know that it can look that way what i'm saying is i just don't think that was gameplay uh but what i'm getting at is if they and, and it's, i guess i should have specified a little earlier and i've said it plenty of times but i mean if they do not show legitimate gameplay with a with a legitimate release window it doesn't have to be a solid date but if they go fall 2019 i'm okay with that i still think they well, showed saying, it too I, early i'm saying but if they i'm don't, fine with it as long as it's not if it's another trailer like they're they're doing they're they're abusing it. well no they need another trailer with a release date that's inevitable at this point but i'd rather see gameplay with a release date oh, well end. that's what i mean but that's not that's not gameplay a trailer, could be a trailer, trailer. Is very different no gameplay is going through and showing me what a what a moment to moment gameplay is going to look oh. like in this game. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. So that's that's what I'm getting at is that when you're dealing with that, if they just show another cryptic trailer that doesn't tell me much about the game and it just serves but to hype you up about nothingness, it doesn't. They're matter, doing it too much. If they show gameplay, the trailer doesn't make it not a trailer. I mean, it is inherently different. A trailer normally is going to show different parts of story uh, focus. Because like, this point, Days Gone's never had a trailer. Yes, it has. The trailer that they showed off. There was gameplay in that trailer, was there not? No, not the first one. The very first the one they just showed on the motorcycle. The yeah, that was so just... So him going through, running away from zombies is not gameplay? That's not what I'm talking about. That was in the first trailer, though. That that was just a clip through. That was a cinematic trailer. That's what I'm getting at. There are very uh, different things. I don't agree. I agree that a trailer... Any... any form of video coverage on a game is a trailer oh that my no nah, okay i'll have to, we'll just have to agree to disagree firmly on that no. one because that is not the same because we, a trailer and gameplay are two very different things a trailer does not necessarily represent what gameplay will look like and that is a very big difference to me a trailer lets you know what a game might be about from a subject matter material okay. and it will introduce you to characters plot points things like that maybe your setting but it is not going to introduce you to the way the game is going to play Unless it's a trailer that goes in between, and it's a trailer that slices in gameplay. Now, those are two different things. So, you, but you're saying right now that this Code Vein Underworld trailer that's showing gameplay right here is not considered a trailer because that's gameplay. It depends what else is in it. I guarantee you, there's also cinematic pieces. That's in what it. I'm talking about. But that's though. not the same thing. There is there's just a trailer, and there's just gameplay, and then there's then there's these other things. So, what I'm getting at is the very first time that we saw Days Gone. The, not not talking about that whole conference. The very first time we saw it midway through the conference, there was absolutely no game no gameplay shown. It was entirely. He was running away from zombies. That trailer was he not? It was all cinematic cutscenes. That's still no. That's gameplay. There was no gameplay. There was no HUD. There was no UI. There was nothing. It was sweeping cinematic cameras that you would not get when you were playing the game i i'm telling you i we don't need to be doing this on the thing i mean it's fine if if i'm wrong for some reason we will we will say i'm wrong i don't care what i'm getting at is that 
even if death, even if uh, days gone is not the perfect example, there is a very big difference between the two. See, that's gameplay demo, but the trailer that they shown where they announced the name and everything, it was all just a trailer. It's cinematic camera work working around what it is. And, and then it says days gone. There was no gameplay. gameplay necessarily in it. it was all cinematic cutscenes and stuff which is different you are not showing me that trailer does not show me exactly how the game is going to play now later in the conference when they showed the gameplay we did see verbatim here is a section of what the game will play like this is very different than this this is this is basically like a movie if you're going into it, it's more akin to a movie trailer because games are inherently different the fact but that what you, you were do saying what you were saying that if Gameplay is in a trailer doesn't make it a trailer. If it's entirely gameplay, I don't consider that a trailer, and I, I don't think it would qualify as a trailer I, I because mean, you were showing me gameplay. A trailer is different. A trailer to me, and I will say this: this is all filtering through me. I'm not saying that you have to be wrong as a 100% objective, but as a subjective standpoint, a trailer serves a very different standpoint than what gameplay showing you does. Now, trailers that do the dynamic between the two are a special exception, and there are trailers that well, that's, cut a, that's what I cinematic it will in be. and gameplay in. Now, what I'm saying is that we need to see 100% real gameplay with a HUD and everything. See, May, maybe not gameplay. necessarily just, a HUD, but we need to see where it's obvious that someone is controlling the game and we are seeing it for what it's going to be. They don't always show HUD because you don't, the HUD doesn't get finalized change, all the way down. Yeah. But if we can tell that it's someone physically playing the game and making these actions, but I'm, just saying, I'm okay with that. In comparison to every other game we've seen, especially by Sony, and we're way off topic at this point. But I mean, The Last of Us 2 is actually the one that we've seen less of. No, I'm talking about... Anything involving Sony conferences, Death Stranding is the least one we've seen, except Last of Us 2. Sure, but I mean, in, in the grand scheme, because you, you've seen less of what you're going to know about the game because they choose very small sections that I'm even curious, are they going to be in the game at all? Or are they just teasing? What, yeah, I hate, you know. it, I hate it when games and movies do that. Um, but, but, but that, I mean, but yeah. Going that, back to Microsoft, they don't need to release, and this is what I meant by saying they need to take lessons from Sony in this term. If they don't need to show a trailer for Halo 6 that's not coming out until 2024 or something. No, I mean, no, I agree. I mean, I don't think that they should ever do anything like that, even and, like and they did with think, the with the Scorpio, where we, we saw it I a think, full year and a half before well, the they way, even announced it. I mean, the, before it revealed. The way you can get around that to released. me is that if you, like what Nintendo did with um, Metroid Prime 4, 4 is perfect. Do That's some sounds. Fine. That's do, fine. Do a title screen and say in development. But, and, and That's as, all and, I need. And as long as we don't see that again until it's time to show either a very comprehensive trailer or gameplay... I'm fine with that. I agree. Now that's something totally different. That's like that's like coming out and say, "Hey, all we're doing is getting people hyped just so that they know we are working on it." We're not saying because, like, technically, if you want to get into that, we knew that God of War was being made because PSX 2013, when Corey Barlog came back and there was a, a God of War retrospective panel. At the end of the panel, they had they cut feed and everything because he said, "Well, you know, I'm working on a new God of War," and they cut it. We already knew God of War was coming. Yeah, pretty there's much. no question about it. So my point is, but that wasn't showing the game. See. If they had if they'd shown off a, a trailer, like a real trailer, not just a God of War, and then like title you know screen. in development title right. screen. Now that's one thing. Now if they would have went balls deep and showed a real trailer, and then the game didn't come out to this year, huge problem, in my opinion. I'm with you there. You don't want to show things for that long. Crackdown is one of those things. We learned about Crackdown in 2013, 
And we I'm surprised it's not been longer than that. Yeah, no, it we we, like we learned about it in that. 2013, and then we saw uh, it, and we saw it for sure in 2014, and it's not come out since 2014 when they had like a full on everything. No, no, didn't they have a trailer like last year, the year before of Terry Crews? Or no, was that 2014. Yeah, yeah, no, that was I think that was 2016. Okay, I don't think it was last year. It may have been last year. I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. I'm not exactly sure, but the fact that we've not seen the game released is what I'm getting at. Yeah, because um, we keep seeing it at every con. I, I hope it's not at this conference, and they just uh, unless it's just a short like. We just wanted to say Crackdown 3 is coming. Here's the release date. Bam. Um, But, I mean, yes, Josh, and I didn't mean for this to go on this long. We got off on a lot of tangents. But I do think that it's time for Xbox to come and show us that they can do these things and not spend. I agree with Saul. Not not show something that they're not going to release for another two and a half to three years. Smart. If they choose to do so, it's smart. They won't have a strong launch if so. if If they do announce a lot of stuff with that far out of a release date, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be awful for them if they can manage it correctly but now nintendo are going to keep doing their own thing nintendo have surprised me every step of the way with the switch to be dead honest with you i didn't necessarily think it was going to be dead on arrival i knew it would do better than the wii u i didn't know it was going to do this well you just got to understand nintendo has a pass because it's nintendo as long as you look at the company and the way it does things as well sure but at the same point then wii u should have been a success to some extent and it just wasn't i mean the wii u was 100 total objective the wii u was also garbage just for what it was especially during the time period it came out i mean the switch is really the switch is not do you mean from a technological standpoint yeah like the game the, the 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 graphics on the switch on the scope of games it has to be carried around that way is not akin to what the wii u was when it came out nope i disagree with that as well but no that is 100 percent. like in the, terms of where the power set now maybe the scope of the games but that's the nintendo choosing to make games that weren't a big enough scope maybe you know I, but in terms of where the power ceiling was for that system the wii u was just a little bit more powerful than the ps3 and the xbox and the switch is still not as powerful or what i'll say the wii u is close ish in some ways it was better and in some ways it's actually worse than the ps3 and xbox 360 but it was somewhere near the ps3 360 and the switch is still not that far above the ps3 and 360 it is more obviously we know that zelda ran better on switch than it did right on they basically ran equivalent and handheld switch and on the wii u right i, th- um, I think you haven't played enough switch games though because there's oh i mean no beautiful don't wrong. i've seen games. them and, I, and they're getting optimized really well and there's a lot of things they, but yeah, i'm still saying really that they're well. it's still a console that but i'm in saying the grand scheme when, of when they came out when the wii u came out that there was it wasn't as i would say eye-pleasing as better as, as good performing as the Switch is? I, I mean, I don't know, because actually the only game that I ever really just looked at on the Wii, I was like, man, this is pretty for what it is, and it's what Nintendo's done for a long time. they found ways to make their games, because they have a specific art style, their art style looks pretty. There's not well, a lot of texture or anything to them, but they're popping and striking. Like Splatoon 2 I'll on give them that. Switch looks really, really good, so, especially in handheld mode. Um, but I mean, it doesn't matter. I get what you're saying, but, but Nintendo gets a pass regardless. Nobody really ever has cared about the power level of Nintendo as long as they a, yeah. put their games out yeah. that people want to see. Now, I will say this. The, another thing about the Wii U is that the Wii U had the games, but the the rest of the console was so lacking that people didn't even care. Yeah, there was no third party, second party like support. That is true. That yeah, they didn't amazing. have they didn't have good indie support. And but now, I'm saying from, from has, the Nintendo side, Switch has undoubtedly the more indie support than Sony's Vita will and or it does now, and it and it will and it until will Sony comes out with that. Be, or handle we all want sure but I mean I, I'm with you there so Nintendo will have their own strong conference I now what are they going to show who in the world knows there's I mean there's talks about a platinum made uh, Star Fox that would platinum be games developed Star terrible. Fox which would actually be nope 
If you're going to Star put Fox it, World or whatever it was on GameCube, again. it wasn't uh, Star Fox Adventure. Yeah, no, was that? Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was actually. So my point being, though, there's ways to pull that off. Um, and there's talking about there's talk of F Zero coming back. That would be kind of cool. If they pull the nostalgia cards and get the games developed by the right people and they make them just right, then cool. I mean, Nintendo will do fine. Yeah. Xbox will probably do well. There's no last-minute Sony things for me, but that wasn't meant to go for, that long. Well, go ahead, though. For question number two, Richard Vero in the same vein wants to know, do you think Sony will shoot themselves in the foot at the start of the new generation of consoles? If the PS5 comes out with no backwards compatibility and the next Xbox will have full backwards compatibility? In my opinion, yes. So I, I've heard it too many times, and I think that I don't think that it's correct. But people are saying that backwards compatible isn't as important as it is. No, it is very important. It is going to if 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 the PS5 is backwards compatible with the PS4, there is going to be a a ton more people buy it at launch than and then so because they're still playing the PS4 in the games. I'm gonna kind of talked about that. I'm gonna flip a little bit on that. I do agree with the general sentiment. I think that people will be more likely to go ahead and upgrade if they know that the God of War that not bought, that that's the game, but I mean, yeah, say that whatever game's half, coming, you know, they can prior, still play it. Right. Yeah, or the game that's coming out that still requires a PS4 because you know Sony's always done that. They at least release one game that people are going to want. Yeah, that's kind of that's after transitional. The transitional. Yeah. So you you want that to happen, of course. You be like, oh well, I've not gotten around to buying like The Last of Us came out so close to the PS4 yeah. that they were like, well, I haven't gotten around to buying The Last of Us yet. But if the PS4 would have been back compatible, they were like, oh, it doesn't matter though. I'll, get, right. I'll play it on the PS4. And from a business perspective, it makes sense because then they make more money on now, remasters. Now, what I actually such. will say is that I don't think it matters as much. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. I don't think it matters as much to the core gamers that are going to be the earliest adopters of the PS5. What I think it's going to stab them in the foot or shoot themselves in the foot, whatever, the most will be long-term, Right. Yeah, well, yeah. The, because what you saw... It'll be a little it, both, though. You actually, yeah, no, a little bit of both. But I think it'll be a, a little... I, mean, I think it'll be more exponential on the side of people who are not trying to come in initially. But the people who are a year into the console are like, well, I've had my time with the Xbox or with the PS4 or Xbox One. Right. Uh, so in this case, we're, we're going to say for backwards compatibility, it's like, I've had my time with the PS4, but I really don't want to leave this entire library of great games behind. But I can't afford to just get a PS5 without trading in my PS4. And they go and they go, you know what, though? The PS5 is back. It's compatible. I'll be able to carry my whole library Exactly. Up. I can trade in my PS4, get a little bit of money for it. Yep. Uh, and that'll be the people. I call them the interstitial people. They're kind of the people who sit in the middle of like, they're not at the very they'll cutting edge. They'll get the edge. console they're, like they're, a year after launch. Yeah, they don't. They're not a year or even two you yeah. know, in that window. They're not trying to get it at launch, but they're also not trying to wait until the end of the, of the console generation, which I know some people who do. Yeah. Uh, they they want to wait until everything's out, and then they know most of the Smart. great, really great games. And there's, you know, if, as long as you don't care. Um, about missing out on certain conversations, and yeah, there's some there's some yeah. smart moves to that. You say, well, well money. And, and it's a community in itself, sure, because you go back. It's a micro community there, of its own. There's there's literally a uh, subreddit called Patient Gamers, and people are talking about PS3 games right now about how they're starting to play them. Just got around Uncharted One, bro. I, I guarantee <laughs> you that if I go to that, subreddit, that's not we'll a fair. Find... That's not a fair game because it came out on PS4. But you know, well, yeah, but, just got around a Resistance One, bro. This game's sick. I think like people say that the backwards compatibility isn't as you know. I, I do think, I think it is very very important. I, 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 I think it's important in the long run. Yeah, and I do think that yes, Sony would shoot themselves in the foot by doing it, well, mainly because you know that you know Microsoft's stance on it, right? And I think the Sony knows that. Here's my biggest thing. 
while Sony does not have to follow Microsoft, and I do agree with that totally, they can do what they want to, and they don't have to do backwards compatibility. They can run their old road. But what we do know... That's, that's the old road, though. Two, two things that we do know for sure is that Microsoft have already started backwards compatibility and made such a big deal about it that if they don't do it, they're shooting themselves that, in the foot. That's right? true, too. So yeah. they're going to do it. Whatever next Xbox they do, and definitely when they're talking about the idea of having backwards and forward compatible consoles where all games release on all consoles, which is weird. Uh, but when you have that... They're going to have to keep going forward with that. The other thing that they're going to have to keep going forward with, which is something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, is um, they're going to continue with cross-platform play. Uh, so the thing about cross-platform play is that they did it and made such a good, big deal about it that if they don't go forward for it, then they're going to get themselves in trouble. So the two things that we know is that Sony knows coming into this generation, like it's different. The PS4 didn't have it to begin with so if it never gets it it's one thing right going into the ps5 there's more of a even even if there's, there's more of a social like well we expect it now right you know and so, it won't even impact you you know if they were just to come out you know e3 next year and say here's the ps5 and here's what you could do on it and then show like a montage of it and then say and we're working on backwards compatibility as well it's not available at launch, but we're working on it. That's something even then. That's something even then. Because even people were really surprised and excited when Xbox came a year after and were like, hey, guys, Dude, you we're, have, we're doing it. You have no idea. the Black, Black Ops 2 was one of the high, it was highest like $150. Yeah. So, but the, the thing about that, um, going into that, that particular thing, is that Sony, again, I say expectations are everything, right? Because Sony right now, people go, well, they can patch in PS3 backwards compatibility. And that's not, nobody besides Sony necessarily knows how true that is, well, right? Now, here's the thing, though. That's because Sony can fall back on the thing of, well, we didn't know that people were going to be as hungry for backwards compatibility as they are. So we did not prepare or design the PS4 to be backwards compatible. It, it's no, technologically speaking, it's too hard of a hurdle, which is what they've continued no, to say, yeah. right? And I, and I mean, they're in their right to say that, and it very well may be true. They're the only people that really know. Uh, so, but when you're dealing with that, the thing is, now that there's more of a social, like there's more of a gaming uh, crowd orientation, like, well, that's something that's really expected now because right. people have made big deals about it. So if Sony chooses to opt out of it this time, they had the time and the foresight to be able to go, we need to make sure that we develop the PS5 with PS4 backwards compatibility in mind. Yeah. And people will be harder on them because of that. There's and not that, an excuse to fall back on this Honestly, time. with that, and I've said it before. Now, we, Sony doesn't have to follow it. Sony can go, we're going to be the powerful console. We don't want to have to be held back by PS4 backwards compatibility, which is in the air of whether it would yeah. or not. But we're, we don't want to, so we're going to go. Now, that's, that's on them. They can go either way, but there is a climate that's more geared towards I think they will. It, well, and it could be a good selling point, too. Like what Microsoft did with Red Dead um, coming uh, onto the Xbox One. Uh, Upgraded and it's 4K. backwards compatibility yeah. is a fantastically weird idea, no, yeah, but a cool idea. And, and, you know, this is the last thing I'll have to say about it, but we, we, we're hitting or we're nearing that power ceiling I was talking about where it, we're not exactly going to be able to hit 4K 60 on console anytime soon at a reasonable price. Can you believe um, that people are still saying this? Yeah, and I, I don't. I don't think that that's going to be something possible at a reasonable price. Sure, for a seven hundred dollar console, it could happen. No, I don't even think. No, no, it couldn't. Not even for that price. Um, maybe. No, seven hundred dollars in twenty twenty one. Maybe. No, you still need like a ten eighty Ti with like an i seven. You're also R7. talking about current technology, you know. Right. To be yeah, fair, no, I don't, yeah, and even then, it's something I don't imagine that they have their hands on even at this point in terms of console manufacturing. A lot of it will depend on what AMD's next chipset, how powerful yeah, it is. So that's true too. Um, a lot to be said, but, but yeah, if if they did that, I would be amazed. Like I would love it because imagine the people at launch who don't have the money to get a PS five. 
But then they're like, well, GameStop's offering $150 for my Pro, and you know, then you know, I can set money aside for these couple weeks, trade in my Pro, keep all your games, and then in you know, a year down the road, um, the, the games are still game. coming out at a beautiful 60, uh, 1080p, 60 crisp, and then you get. Well, you know, instead of higher resolutions, you know, we may be getting better textures, better AI, better a, a worlds, couple things, bigger worlds. The one thing about that is that does mean the games have to be patched. So it will that's, not that's be what I mean. every yeah. game. Yeah. It will only It'll be, be the games, games they think are so big and that there's other – because like Red Dead obviously happened because Red Dead 2 is coming, right? right? They were trying to build on that. Yeah. And it was a smart move, I, I think. Yeah. And then, so, so certain games will get that benefit, but other ones won't. You know, that's, maybe, that's maybe, kind of where it stands. But, maybe, yes, I'm with a, you. In a dream world, can you imagine um, getting a patch – Bloodborne 2 is announced. Then you get a patch for Bloodborne on the PS5 that you can play backwards compatible. No frame pacing issues. 4K, 60 frames per second. Be wild. It would be wild. Our last question of this reader mill, very, very long reader mill, is No Fate. I'm glad you went that one. One of our early friends throughout all of this. So shout out to you. Have you ever taken a break from gaming to focus on your relationship? I've taken many breaks from gaming, but not to focus. Brett, what about you? I never. I, it depends on what you consider a break, right? Because there were some times I would take like a, like a two like a week gap plus. I would say a week. That's what I was going to say. It's just not. I'm, I'm not going to take month long breaks from gaming for a relationship. Because uh, in my opinion, depending on what it is, right? Now, I, I guess I've never had a. Pro- I've never necessarily felt like gaming was causing a real problem in my yeah. relationship. Now there may be times where I will sit back. I'm like, well, you know, it's been a little rough lately, and I've been putting a lot of time into games. It would. It would behoove me and probably do a lot for me and for our relationship as a whole to take to step back a little bit and just spend a good you know some time with her and then try and be more mindful after this week of trying to balance your time between the two. But I would I've never been to such a problem that I've been like oh crap I really have got to like I have real relationship problems that are obviously stemming yeah. from the fact that I'm playing games or maybe even they're just real relationship problems that require a lot of time and effort. And I'll think in that particular situation. I get why people would do it, and I think it's smart. And, I mean, if you value your relationship, I mean, it's worth doing. I've not luckily had to quite do that. I wouldn't consider a week break of gaming. And even then, I'll probably play a little bit whenever she's just asleep or something where it's not going to affect us anyway. Uh, Because me and her sleep very differently anyway. She goes to sleep before I do almost every night. So even if I spent every waking hour with her, I would have time to come in. But, you know, that's one of those things. I mean, I... See, that's where we're a little different, too, because for us, it's me and my fiancé, we get off at the same time every night at 10 p.m., uh, almost not. And it's, uh, you know, I get home at 10 p.m., and it's like, well, I'm going to go to bed in, like, two hours after I eat. So it's pretty easy. Like, that's why I don't play the games that late is because I come home, and that's two hours to spend with her, eat, watch her as a development, you know, scrubs, whatever you, whatever we're watching. Um, and it's just, that's time there if it's a game big enough though i'll eat before i come home or i'll eat at work uh and then i'll like like and she'll know it's coming like she'll be like i'm playing destiny oh, okay it's it's never been like well you're not spending time with me i had a girlfriend like that once and uh that did not last long i'm not gonna say her name but she told me she was like this is two weeks in our relationship and she was like i'll never forget it she was in florida and mad that you were playing games? and mad i was playing games see now and I was just like, I was like, I can't spend time with you right now. Anyway, she's like, you're not texting me back fast enough. I said the last, the last four text messages were less than two minutes apart. Now, and see, that's another thing. I can't stand that. But I think, uh, no, I was done. And me and Hannah talked about it. I think that there is done. something to be said about relationships where the people come into the, come into the relationships where one of them is not a gamer, and then they uh, they develop, you know, they they turn into a gamer throughout the course of the relationship. I do think that that changes the dynamic because the expectation is not there coming in. Right. Now, I will say. 
That's what I very, like. Very, very upfront. I mean, when me and Hannah got together, it was obvious. I play games, and yeah. I'm not going to not play games just because you want me to do something else. Now, there's always that balance when you've been with someone long enough. You know when to give and take. Like, okay, I need to, I need to not do this tonight. Yeah, I, I need to. You know, games aren't that important. It's understandable. You know, to you, do you that pull too. them. You pull them now. But there's also the thing of like, well, this is my enjoyment period. Like, you know, you enjoy watching the Mindy Project for three hours in a row. I don't. That's, I enjoy playing that's, 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 God of War that's for three Annie hours in a row. Hell's Kitchen. I can't stand that show. Has so, the cringiest point, opening right? ever. And there's always this thing of like, okay, there's people like, and it's, it happens. Let's just talk about another relationship, right? Because not all relationships are between, um, you know, or romantic was, relationships, I think that's right? What this question was about. Oh, sure. But <laughs> I'm just saying, let's talk about it from another. It's still on a relationship, right? Let's just say the relationship between a parent and a child, right? And sometimes even adults, and I have friends that do this, where their their family is like, "Well, you spend all your time playing games, and uh, why aren't you why aren't you hanging out with the family?" Or blah blah blah. Or you're spending three hours in a row on the game. It's like, yeah, but you spend three hours every Sunday watching NASCAR, or you spend every three hours on uh, every other day watching this show, or uh, and and you all get together for six hours and watch the Super Bowl. I can't do that. Yeah, That's unfair. I don't think, I don't think people and, understand and, that either. Well, it's different expectations, right? Because when you grow up around a whole family that does football, the whole family mentality is that you can all watch football because it's okay. It's it's family accepted. Well, now, no, it's, when it's, you're the lone wolf out in the family who only you're the only one that play games, they think that you're like, well, why does he want to spend time with the game? Well, maybe that's not my passion. You're passionate about football, right? I'm passionate about games. It seems like that games the are expectation, more so shunned, though. Well, any, that's, any exactly. That's hobby. what I'm saying. Because well, at least back then, now it's kind of become people don't understand. Them. Well, yeah, yeah. There's still people though, definitely in the uh, south. Yeah, definitely where we are. Um, so I, mean, I, I will say that I'm glad. Good that, question. I am glad that my fiance likes video games because she's she beat and played Nino Cooney too, and we're playing Detroit together. It's and that's also a good dynamic to have. Obviously, because we are into the same things. When so you spend you time together, this, yeah, and I agree with things. that. That's another thing with my kid. Like you know, when when Kyrie starts getting old enough, it's, there's a there's been a lot of talk lately, and this is a slight tangent, but uh, there's been a slight talk about like screen time for kids and I, I Ryan will appreciate this because he would actually share an article on it um, screen time for kids is a really weird thing because there's actually a lot of studies that have come up that screen time is not the issue as much as what you're the doing content. in the screen time and whether or not the parents are actively consuming that content and talking with them and it's about yeah like what what are you experiencing in that screen time right are you in that screen time are you learning are you are you because like we use screen time or whatever we call it. we use YouTube to help teach Kyrie, uh, and we'll sit with Kyrie, and we'll we'll sit down, and we have magnet we have magnets on the fridge of letters and numbers, and we'll go through the ABCs, and we'll pause it and go, that's an A, and she'll look at him like, go grab us an A from the fridge, and she'll run in there and go get it. That is screen time, yes, but it's also very, you know, we're we're in, we're involved in it. She's learning something from the screen while also getting time with us. So it's it's a dynamic screen time. Right. And I think the other thing is like sometimes when Hannah's watching, I mean Hannah, when uh, Kyrie's watching some of her YouTube videos that are educational, we'll kind of go through and reinforce what the video is doing. So, I mean, gaming and screen time in general are a big source of contention within families and relationships. But there's ways to make them dynamic. And uh, like you're saying with Annie, uh, with Annie, or you know whatever, you're with your woman, <laughs> my fiance. I said her name. Okay, I couldn't remember if you did. But my point being is that when you're doing that. It is good when you both like it because you're spending that time together right. and it makes it feel different. She doesn't feel excluded. No. So that's one thing. If you can go into it and you can get them on board with you. I, mean, I think I, Liam kind of has that. But also Liam's, uh, you know, girlfriend or woman or wife. I'm sorry. I don't actually know what you are, Sarah. Um, but that's one of those things. You know, there's they both play games and they both watch each other play games. Right. So. Okay. So into the main topic, Brett. Okay. So main topic came from my noggin. And I just thought this was interesting. In the Discord and on 
line in general and then talks with Corey, actually. You know, we talk a lot about old games that we don't see much of anymore or even the time period in which we saw companies doing certain things. So what we're going to do is we, we scoped it down specifically to EA. And I think Saul was kind of on board with him once I kind of talked to him and explained what I meant by it. And he was like, okay, I get it. And like me and Saul are huge fans of a lot of EA franchises that happened during the PS3 360 era and even a little bit back into the PS2 era for me where we saw these going down. But the thing about it is... Um, you know, we saw EA have way more patience and way more willingness to give studios tries for weird franchises. So things that we've not seen EA do as much often, but we are starting to see a slight turnaround in. You know, we used to see EA took a big chance with something like Dead Space, right? Dead Space is awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I love that franchise, and I would love to see something similar to it or the franchise come back. Skate was awesome. Uh, it, Skate came in at a time when skateboarding games were leaving a high. You know, Tony Hawk was on the way down. Yeah. And it was still doing well, but it was an obvious slope. It was a decline. And Skate came in and proved... Well, and the Tony Hawk games have also declined, too. No, but, but I know, but even at that point in time, when Skate released, Tony Hawk was already on the way down. Yeah, man, um, a question because of the game's quality, though. So, yeah, so it's one of those things. So Skate came out, and I'm surprised they did it in such a period of time where it was kind of like that. And they came out with Skate, and Skate did extremely well. And it's one of my most fondly, and I know a lot of people's most fondly remembered games during that generation. Uh, But you saw things like that. Then you saw even more weird titles. I I think it was Suda51. I may be wrong on who made it. Uh, But there was a game called Shadows of the Dams. It was a very odd game. It was a um, third-person, over-the-shoulder kind of action shooter game in the same vein as something like Resident Evil 4 or Dead Space. But it was set with like this uh, Mexican motorcycle rider or something. Oh, man. Was that game bad? No, it was good. It was actually really good, and that's what's so wild. Uh, me and Blaze played it. It was awesome. I think that was one of the worst rated games in in the gaming history. Shadows of the Damned? Uh, yeah. It's, Are you it, sure you're not talking about the... You're talking about a whole different game. You're talking about the motorcycle game that was glitchy in hell. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's, that's why I, that's no, why I This asked. one, and I could show you it, it was very interesting, and it was... Uh, yeah, Shadows of the Damned. It was oh, a very I'm, odd... See? Look. Yeah, it has 77 automatic crit. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what I'm talking about. And it was a really cool setup that worked really well. And it was almost like, you know, it had some like some little inspiration from like what I consider the darkness. Ride to Hell like a, Retribution. Yeah, Ride, Ride to Hell, Hell Retribution. That was the game that was broken. Uh that everybody gave the worst review scores. Dude, but no, Shadow of the Dam was another game. It came out in 2011. And that's another game where you just saw EA take a really odd chance on something that it, Ended up being really cool. Now, I don't know numbers-wise. Back then, I didn't pay attention to that in the same way. Uh, so I don't know where the business side of it was. But I do miss seeing EA take these more creative liberties and give games or give studios a chance to make really crazy games. Now, with that being said, uh, I want to mirror that into a recent. And whether or not, like, you know, in the, in the teaser for this, we said, like, you know, EA's glory days. And that is to us. We consider that to be EA's glory days, I would imagine. you agree with that statement, Saul? No, yeah. Uh, so, you Dead know, when, space, we, when we talk about that, you know, last gen was a really good time for EA in my mind, uh, in my perception. Uh, Even now, going wrong, back to PS2 gen. I love Black. That's, Black was an awesome. That was the first person shooter on PS2. That one. No, I know what it really is. Really cool. Uh, so, but, you know, stuff like that. So when you're seeing these kind of things happen, and another good thing for EA, I guess. Or no, that wasn't EA. 007, Nightfire. Yeah, that was EA, actually. Um, that was a really I was talking one. about um, the... It wasn't EA, but the Battlefront series. That was EA. No, it was uh, Pandemic and oh, wait. LucasArts. Yeah. Um, that was back when LucasArts had a publishing arm. But uh, what I was getting at is, like, you know, we saw that back in the day. Now, what we're seeing now, after a period of EA being way more cautious and trying to do... 
these I get it from a business perspective, but you know, being really heavily talked down on for wanting to change games or being blamed for changing games like we saw with Mass Effect 3's ending uh, and we saw with Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, and even Star Wars Battlefront 1 to some small, very small extent. But we've seen EA get hated on a lot, but then you see EA come out this year uh, with A Way Out, right? And if you look, it's one of those interesting things. A Way Out, if you look at the numbers that EA expected it to do, um, it was very low expectations, which it shattered. I mean, it just shattered. I yeah, think it's a really unique game. They didn't expect it to break 500,000, I think, in the first year. That These numbers may not be accurate, but my point being is that they had very low expectations that the game broke within a month uh, and far surpassed within a month, actually. Um, and they didn't expect it to sell that for the entire lifetime and or first years, or one of those two. Um, so with that being said, A Way Out is a very odd game for EA. It's a game with no monetization. There's no way to really monetize the it game. It was not full price. And it was, you got a free a copy when you bought it. Non-full price game. When you got it, you could play it with other people and you can invite anybody to play the game with you. Very odd. You know what I mean? It, 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 Completely I different. feel like, and now I don't know if they did this for PR purposes or what, but I feel like it was the antithesis to everything that everybody has been saying about EA, regardless of whether it's true or not. It was almost like they did it to come out and go, look, we still can do this. Right. Now, what I'm hoping is that means, and, and some of this is also in the back of, I guess, I didn't answer it in Josh's question this way. We've talked about it a lot, but there are hopes for me that we see either a Dead Space trilogy or a new Dead Space, or realistically, the one I really think will happen is a Skate 4. Um, there's been a very is big hunger for though? skate. Oh, dude, there's been a very big hunger for skate. No, 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 no. I know and, I, I and, want one, but I'm sure, saying it's sure. realistic but let's keep, for them to have made one. Well, let's keep following, right? I'm going to go through kind of why I think we may be seeing it and why I do think that maybe the, the glory days are coming back or at least the, the mindset from the glory days are coming back because let's go early, right? There's, there's been a hunger for it in general. But, okay, let's go. I'll let's go Skate 3. Skate 3 was more or less a flop in expectations from EA, right? Then what did you see? PewDiePie came years after and made Skate 3 a huge phenomenon again. And the, the sales skyrocketed. They had to make new copies to get them out there. Used prices rose. And it was one of those things where people were playing this game in mass amounts again. Then Who so did? PewDiePie. Did he really? PewDiePie had, because he was playing the game uh, and doing online stuff with it, and people ended up loving the online component, and the game spiked in sales. Uh, Just like the same thing happened with Nier, just to kind of compare, the original Nier had to make new copies in production overseas because Nier Tomata made there be such a hunger for the original Nier that they knew they could make money off of it and put new copies into production. You know, speaking of E3, are we going to do E3s? That's Saturday. Oh, EAs, you mean? We can. Yeah, EAs. We can. Okay. Yeah, it's not, not technically E3, but yeah, they're EA play event. We can do it. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd actually like to do that. Uh, so, continuing on, though, uh, we saw that happen, right? And then we saw, um, randomly, the e, it was either the EA or some Twitter board. It may have been the Twitter for uh, the, I can't remember the name of the thing right now, Blackboard Studios, something like that, Black Box Studios, the people that did the original and also used to do Need for Speed. Uh, but somebody, maybe it was even the, the head of the development, came out and just hashtag Skate 4. I think that was a troll. Now, here's the thing, though. It, it gave roars, right? It oh, no, made it huge waves. All right. Let's just say those two things weren't enough for EA, right? We saw that that game Session, which is coming out for Xbox and PC, that had that uh, it's a spiritual successor to Skate, uh, and it came to Kickstarter, and it was fully funded within the first 24 hours, and it went on to fund a lot more, and it's getting a lot of media coverage. I think there's obvious things where if they did it right, 
they could just like with the way out obviously they must have budgeted it to a way that their sales expectations can meet the budget right, right? if they do this with skate four and give it just as big enough a budget to make it work it's gonna be amazing with expectations sales. i do think that there's a chance a very I, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'll, I'll, I'll go as bold to say that there's a 70% chance, like realistic chance, that we see Escape 4 sometime in the next few years. Now, will it be this year? I don't know. But capitalize on the hunger while it's there, right? Yeah, and as long as they don't pull like perspective, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. So I guess that's kind of what I mean is like you're seeing little little possible Easter eggs of – EA inching back towards it's wanting to be free. So what do we see with Battlefield 5 now? Battlefield 5 has moved completely away from the season pass, uh, the Battlefield premium thing that they did. All the content's going to be free. There will be no loot boxes at all. Apparently, there's no monetization at all, which is very odd. Skeptical, but I am too. I am too, but we'll see. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we'll see. Now, and I'm not even going to be mad at them, nor do I think anybody should if they if they introduce some form of monetization that's fair later. I do think they should would, have done that now. They should not yeah. have if they they if shouldn't that, double down on saying no no uh, loot boxes or nothing because when they inevitably add well, them, no, but maybe it's not a loot box, right? Maybe it's maybe it's 100 like you can go on the store and be like, do you want this particular skin? You buy just that skin. Yeah, and, and Bungie just said that got railed. And see, but but again, if they come out. They're already getting applauded for no loot boxes. There's no random element to it. You're going to say, hey, look, you get this, but it does give you no stat boost. All it is is a visual skin. If you want to buy this skin, you give us uh, a dollar for this skin. Right? Because loot boxes were like 3 to $5 anyway, right? And you didn't even know what you were getting. Who made, who made um, oh, what is that game called? Monster Game. Evolve. Oh, uh, 2K. They uh, They did that. Where like the skins like a dollar fifty or three dollars, but they were really bad skins. Oh no, going above a dollar seems very odd to me. I would even say it was go, like three dollars for a, like a blue gun. Yeah, I remember that. Sorry, I actually remember that. Parents. But yeah, it was uh, really really bad. So, I mean, I guess what it comes down to is that there's a mixture of seeing things that looks like EA might be kind of turning on their heels. I mean, uh, Anthem looks to have been learning from what Destiny did wrong. Uh, and Anthem has a chance so. of digging itself up high, which would be great. And Anthem does look like an odd move for them. Definitely now that they've even went back and said, oh, we're pulling it back and delaying it some. We're focusing more on story. We're seeing them actively take steps. You know, even if Anthem had... So what looks like coming closer to what I want. Even if Anthem EA. had like loot box style systems, as long as that gear is not effectable in PvP, and as long as it is obtained by other ways, if it's better than Destiny, I will not complain. Okay. I mean, I agree with that sentiment. So, I mean, I guess the other half of this, though, is that there's a mixture. There's the half of what I'm seeing, which I think is evidence that leads towards the possibility of them coming more towards that mindset of what I love from EA so much. But I also think that there is the, you know, the, this is more of the wishful side of me, right? Um, I want to see some of these new crazy franchises, right? I want to see Burnout come back. Burnout was a great series, but it got eclipsed by. Need for Speed. Yeah, happened. I was going to say Need for Speed. And we started seeing them whittle down. So, I mean, you know, but then Burnout Paradise comes out and sells really well. But there's other moves that are odd. So, as you saw the PS3 generation go on, the people who made Burnout aren't even working on Burnout or Need for Speed, and they became the de facto Need for Speed franchise studio. Now they're not even doing that. They're helping make Call of Duty. Yeah, and so you're seeing the Criterion situation was odd. Criterion are weird. Titanfall was an odd situation for them. It was them trying to go towards a full-priced online-only game odd decision but that's another that's another egg of ea listening a little bit right ea plus respawn because at the time respawn was not owned i think it was a mixture respawn going this is what people want from us and then ea going we understand and we're going to give you that leeway 
because yeah. this is a partnership. Now, now that EA owns Respawn, this can go whole different ways. Like, right? EA could come down and just say, "We don't want this. You're not going to do it." Now, I, I again, I, the hopeful side of me plus the analytical that I'm seeing thinks that well, that's not what we're going to get. But the, the Titanfall was a weird situation, and then we saw Titanfall two come out with a great campaign. At least in my opinion, that's still a source of contention for some people. I'm not saying it's the best ever. It's a great campaign. And it was really Or even fun if you want to say it's good, it's a good campaign. And that's all you can really ask for from the first attempt from a, and a, from a good game. And it had fun multiplayer that people really liked. So you see these steps. Now, we saw bad steps from EA in the same time period because you, you were actually talking about this before we started recording, but Titanfall 2 was cannibalized. And anybody who says otherwise, please explain to me your argument, including EA. Like, why if was it released alongside Battlefield 1? How is EA not cannibalizing the game by releasing it right beside Battlefield One and Call of Duty, both. It doesn't make sense. It just, and I would I would argue that if that game, and then you can't, then they'll turn and say, you know, oh well, it didn't sell that well, so a third one's not really negotiable. It's like well, it didn't sell well because it's your fault. Well, and now we do know that Respawn was bought. For all intents that we can see, a third one is being developed. I really. What are these expectations? Who knows? That's what I was saying earlier, and I, I told Brett before we started, is that I really hope they didn't buy Respawn just to put those guys on Anthem. Or, or to, in general, gouge the studio and send them out where they think the, ta- the, the, the talent needs to be. Yeah, uh, And that's I also, would... that, that's a weird thing, because I also is hoping that the people don't leave. Uh, the thing about yeah. buying a studio is you buy a studio for their talent, right? Right, and they can leave. That and if you, if you try and move that talent where you want them to go, but they don't want to go there, they could just you quit. waste the talent. So, yeah, they just walk out. But so now I want to flip this over. Is a do you agree with any of the stuff I've said? Now that no, I've yeah. kind of laid some of it out, I think we're on the exact same page. And um, then secondarily, what are the games? You can finish that first answer. But secondarily, what games? Let's just say that this magical thing happens and EA comes back. What games that already that are already existing would you like to see from uh, the EA pick back up or try again, or even like do the God of War slash you know reboot, but really take a lot of liberties with the reboot. Uh, would you like to see them do, or would you like, to, or what style of new game would you like to see them do? Realistically, I'm I'm excited for what could be Escape Four, um, and even even other than that though, it's it's Anthem really is what I am after. I'm really really curious. I want some knowledge on that game, and that's what I'm excited for their E3 to have. Um, but other than that, as far as E3 still owns Bioware, right? Yes. Okay. I mean EA, but yeah, EA, I did it a second ago too. I, yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, I want EA to make Bioware better again, and not like what Andromeda was the production or like was a you know an item of. They and now that's a little bit because a new Bioware uh, it's different. Different Bioware made Andromeda. Oh yeah, than the one working on Anthem. So but they th- the chance is there, but but, but Bioware I, can't afford another bad take fact, on their name at all. The so. fact that the first two Knights uh, of the Republic exist though is. It's evidence that EA can can whip a company into making a game like that again and making it really good. Now, um, here's one of the weird arguments, and this is just something I think is interesting to have in this conversation. There was a, a while back a uh, a thing where people talked about studios that made great games with EA until they were bought by EA, and then EA eventually closed them down. Yeah, and this became this became from a worry that EA was going to end up closing down Bioware. Right. In this turn it, it, of events, right? Yeah. And they actually had a big talk about when these games came out, what they were doing, all these different things. Um, so, you know, Visceral had a good relationship with EA, got bought, subsequently closed down eventually, right? Right. Uh, from, if you want to go into it, uh, people's reception of Dead Space 3, a lot of the problems, not necessarily empirical data shows, but I mean, 
we can pretty well see that a lot of the problems that people had with Dead Space 3, even though I did like it, it is, I'm not going to say the weakest, but I mean, it wasn't as good as 2. It is the weakest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did you beat it? Did you play pl- it? I never played it, but I just watching games, I could tell you it's the weakest. I, okay. But regardless, uh, when you're doing something like that, you know, you're seeing EA shut down gun. studios for what is potentially their own fault. Their own fault, right. Because they're forcing studios to do these moves and not trusting the other thing. And this is why we talk about Sony a lot. I like that Sony tends to step back and just trust the people that pitch their stuff to them. As long as the studio's got a decent pedigree and they go, okay, look, we get it. This could be really bad. Well, yeah. But we get it. They gave they gave Corey a lot of wiggle room with God of War. They gave Horizon a lot of wiggle room with um, I mean Horizon. They gave Gorilla a lot of wiggle room with Horizon. They they had studios come to them with ideas of where I guarantee you in the same situation if EA got pitched, um, let's just say okay, Visceral made third person over the shoulder shooters for the most part, right? Right. If, if Visceral came to them and were like, guys, look, we want to make Visceral doesn't like they don't. No, Visceral is closed now. That's what I was going to say. They don't exist anymore. Oh, no, but I'm just saying this is the example. Oh, okay. Uh, so if Visceral still existed and came to EA and were like, look, we know we normally make this type of game, but what we want to make is a third-person, isometric dungeon crawler. EA, and, and we, no, trust us. We have this in plan. We have this in line. We want to hire these people to be the talent. We really are passionate about this. We can see this. And if you look at it, and there's a, even then EA would be like, it's not to your pedigree. I Most places... Even if it had a good pedigree, it would be like... We're not going to publish no. this. No. Now, that, please do not use that genre as something, because that genre would not succeed. It was just to show a stark difference in what the people made versus what they were going to make. The, for Sony to have allowed uh, Horizon to exist and come from a studio that traditionally made first-person shooter games only was wild, and it's kind of an interesting thing. And seeing them give that much trust and i'm sure there was also stipulations like look if this game doesn't go this might be the end of y'all yeah who knows you're gonna go uh but you know ea not doing that instead canning people not even letting them see their 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 projects to the end or canning people because they've had a lot of bad games in recent years is a, a tad unfair didn't they also do army of two visceral did yes and ea was the publisher for it so interesting because that's exactly what dead space three looked like Army of Two, yeah, yeah. That's why, like, that's all I was saying. Earlier. I mean, I disagree that they look exactly the same. No, but they have similarities. Yeah, obviously. no, yeah. That's all I was saying earlier is that I've never played Dead Space Three, and just based off of the mechanics in the game, the I'm, co-op mechanics specifically, I'll agree. Yeah, I'll say yeah. it. Even like I could tell that going from Dead Space One, that was very not 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 very fast paced, but very atmospheric, and then you go into like really like bright looking snow areas that's very fast paced and cover based shooting. I will say different. this: three three rides a fine line. Since you didn't play it, well, three has some of the most atmospheric parts of the entire series. You know, you know, Michael and Seth, and then it also Big has Seth, they. They both love those games. They both said the exact same thing about three, which oh. is what's put me off of buying it on. Origin sure, but I mean, to be fair, like I loved all those games, and I also liked three. I'm not. I, you're the only person I've talked to personally that has liked it. Like at now, all. I, I will say now the co-op was stupid. It should have been in there. There's a lot of things they did from, but from a story, the gameplay was still tight and worked well. Uh, and then the adventure aspects they added, which is actually something really cool, moving away from the very corridor-driven Dead Space 1, and then Dead Space 2 opened up more, but was still kind of tight. Going into the ability to travel between planets and break off and find new things felt really good, and it yeah. did not that did not feel like a bad step. That was actually a really good step. Um, 
the co-op being forced in, bad step, being a little more action-driven, like Resident Evil 5 was in comparison to 4. 5 wasn't an awful game, but it wasn't as atmospheric and good in certain places as right. 4 was. So you kind of get that in. Eh. Uh, but at the same time, it resolved the story in a fantastic way. Storyline was actually really cool. Now, that is one thing that they both have said, is that the ending of the game was made clear like it was made and for and it was obviously meant for fans who have been playing the whole thing right whereas a lot of the other things were for people to come in for the first time this which wasn't is a crazy which is a, a dumb idea it's a but, combination that shouldn't exist you know so it, it means it makes you always you always want to bring new people in a franchise right so on the third but final game though it's weird it's yeah, like it is pander to the ones that the ones that want to change that never played the first two is where it gets me yeah and that's where i hope they, while they, losing they what made people learned. like the other yeah. one yeah so i mean that said uh i mean obviously if you haven't been able to tell by this listening or if you haven't heard me say it before, I am I would actually really like either a new Dead Space or I would oh, yeah. go as bold to say as take Dead Space and reboot it. Keep the keep the elements that mattered and that were really cool. I don't know if you should reboot it. But I mean, what would be the problem with rebooting and, and you just because you obviously have something that's catching th- you, but I, why well, would you I think that it had such a such a charm the first time around that it that's gonna be really something that you can't nail and it's just not gonna live up to expectations and then it's not gonna sell well because it's it doesn't live up to these expectations. The other thing and then about, it gets canned. The other thing about living up to expectations is that visceral's not around anyway, right? Right. Uh, and but I'm talking about expectations of people who played the games. Sure, but I mean you're also gonna have that's what I'm saying, you're also gonna carry the expectations of the people who wanted it to be visceral, who know who made the games that they loved and are mad that they're not into it now now the other upside is that again i don't necessarily blame dead space 3 at all and if you go back and look at stuff a lot of what made it into dead space 3 was stuff that ea was trying to force visceral to do even in dead space 1 but they managed to get around it due to time constraints uh so real quick history on that since this is an ea focused episode um ea wanted co-op in dead space 1 yeah but because of time constraints, they chose to go. We're gonna we're gonna can it for now, but we're gonna put it in the second game. By the time the second game was coming around and being heavily in development, multiplayer in games were was going so big that everybody expected multiplayer. The EA were like, "Don't worry about co op. Put multiplayer in." And then Dead Space Two got multiplayer. That was interesting. It was an interesting take, which Never we saw a lot it. in that period. But it obviously wasn't meant to really last. It was just right. they were trying too hard to hit. On a uh, what, what, what? I mean, what would you call that? I can't think of the word right now. Hit the nail on the head. Uh, but they were trying to go into a fad. Like they were trying to hit a, a, a current trend. They were oh, like, yeah. While it was going, they were trying to make money off of a trend. Um, chasing a trend is never a smart idea. No. Um, but the other thing is that by the time they got to three, they were like, "Well, look, we want to go back to co-op. Multiplayer didn't quite work out, but if we can make an online component." and do co-op and make it more action-based than we can do. Because the thing is, I think Resident Evil 5, even though it got lauded for a lot, still sold more than Resident Evil 4. Which so they're is looking, nuts. They're looking at these things and they're going, let's do this, let's do this. Yeah. And even, even Dead Space 2, even though I love that game, Dead Space 2 ended up being way different from them trying to meet in the middle on a lot of ideas and being like, look, we get that you don't want us to do this, but we're not going to do what y'all want to do. This is what we're going to do instead. And it, it was kind of like a lot of giving up stuff that they wanted to do, but still doing something that was in the vein of what they wanted to do. Yeah. So I love, and I love Dead Space 2. To me, that's the pinnacle of the franchise. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, that's, that's my favorite as well. The nursery scene. No, I know Michael. Or, Michael thinks one is the pinnacle for a lot of reasons. And I, no, I, there is. I, he's there, not wrong on all of them. arguments are good. No, yeah, he's Very not wrong good. on all of them, but I think as a whole package, Dead Space 2 is great. So we keep talking about Dead Space, but I'm trying to think of other really good knives. I will agree, Knights of the Old uh, Republic would be awesome to come back. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God, it'd be so cool. No, what are some other old it's not, EA it's not franchises even so much, we saw? It's not even 
Nintendo so much of like the games coming back. It's it's the attitude of their company changing. Now again, that's what I want. I, I I'm, want. I, I'm glad Battlefront Two had the impact it did with the microtransactions and such because I guarantee you that Battlefield Five had that, and with the recent backlash to uh, Battlefront Two, that they took it out. They nipped it right in the bud. And then when they added it back in to Battlefield Two, Battlefront Two. Um, they, when they add that back in, then you know there was no advantages to be had. It was all cosmetics. Sure, I could see that. So, well, but, you know, looking through real quick, I think I mean, we talked about Star Wars is a good one. Now, actually, this one's weird because it exists in a weird in between. But the SSX series, last time they tried doing one, it didn't end up doing too well. Oh, well, you have um, oh, was that game that just came out? Uh, Steep. Oh yeah, and Steep didn't do really well either. I've heard that anybody who liked SS Tricky like loved that game. Oh um, no, I'm sure, but I'm saying, but as a What's I saying? number place, been replaced. Yeah, number wise, even though um, SS Tricky, it, it cool didn't guest, hit expectations from, from what I understand. So, yeah, so. wasn't there Mario in the GameCube one? I'm pretty sure there was. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that. Seth had it for GameCube, and I, there was some weird character in it that I can't remember. We know that Dragon Age is coming back, and that's cool. I mean, Dragon Age is actually one of the good Bioware series. I still, like, Even though I didn't like Inquisition, it just wasn't for me. As cheap as it is sometimes, like, I saw Inquisition on sale on the PlayStation Store, like, I think it was like two weeks ago, and it was like $4. Yeah, it came out in 2014. No, I, I know, but still, so it's yes, just like, definitely. I've heard so many people get so much time out of that game. That's a value that, I mean, I may have to try out one day. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of where we are. I'm looking at all their products. So, I mean, these are series, to be fair. This isn't one-off games. I know that there's other one-off games that I would actually really like. Um, and, okay, like one of them, and I'm pretty sure it was EA, was Brutal Legend. I would love to see Brutal Legend again. Do I expect to see Brutal Legend again? Who knows? You got to get Jack Black for that. Um, yeah, and I you think he would, You can't actually. do it without it. Of course, they're not going to have all of them on here. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty covered. See, but another example of them going a little bit out of their way. And this is actually a good example. Visceral Games did this one. And this is a good example of Visceral doing something different. Now, again, I'm talking about recently. But, you know, I said Visceral would not be allowed to make it. Visceral did make Dante's Inferno, which for them was never, a very big difference. Don't get me wrong. It was... A lot of it was kind of reminiscent of what God of War 3 was selling on the time, and it came out right before God of War 3, uh, and, it, and it took a lot of ideas on it. I don't think it took, but they obviously had similar inspiration. Uh, but no, dude, it was a cool idea, and it was definitely a weird game for EA. And that's what I mean, is EA, we don't see them making these decisions anymore. We saw Mirror's Edge, a game that was revered and loved by people, and then we saw them come back with a new one. And whether this is people being cynical, and asking for something and then just not liking what they get in the long run. I will say this, EA did come back and they brought back Mirror's Edge Catalyst and people didn't like the way it went because it changed too much in their opinion. Now, whether or not that was warranted, I don't know. I didn't play uh, Catalyst. But EA has obviously shown signs that they are willing to try these things. But I guess the more we've talked about this, the more I start to realize that EA has good reasons to an extent of why they've chosen to do some of these things, but I think the EA is still moving in a generally better direction than I feel like they personally have for my enjoyment right. uh, in, the, in the past few years. We're seeing them move back towards what I would like to see out of them, and that's exciting enough as it is for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I'm excited for all opportunities, even for companies I'm not fans of, because if you win me over, then you win me over. You did a good enough job, and that's something that's exciting and interesting to see. That's why I'm curious to see Microsoft's E3, because I want to see if they're going to do something big. I'll probably I, I, down, I'm all, I'm all, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. You know, some people are like, "Well, Microsoft's not going to do good." I'm like, "I'm not saying they're going to do good." But I want them to do good. But this would be such a cool year for them to just really come out and be like, "Look, guys, this is exactly what you were waiting for," and yeah. that would be awesome. It would be. I so, agree. I mean, not not even that I would buy an Xbox. I just. I think that it would be cool just seeing that because you, you want to see the competition to continue to do well. I don't have a Switch right now, but I'm not salty that the Switch is doing well. I'm actually really surprised and I'm happy for Nintendo. Do I completely agree with its success? No, but I mean, 
I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't completely agree with the PlayStation 4's success. So it yeah. is what it is at that point. So I guess that is in Saul. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think, I think we pretty much hit the nail on all the heads I was trying to hit. Okay. Hit the head on all the nails you were trying to hit? You said it backwards. Nope. I hit the head on the nails. Of all the heads you were trying to hit? I guess. Okay. I hit the head on the nail. Nope. Now you got me mixed up. <laughs> Maybe I did. I, I, I am. We'll, we'll, we'll so watch very back and then hungry. make a ridiculous thing. You're not still going to make a gif of us moving in sync for some odd reason that we did. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, yeah. until next week, this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. And be sure to check us out on Twitch starting Saturday. There we go. Don't Got a lot of work to that. do. Yeah. Thank you guys.